That was a little snippet from my neighborhood here in Brooklyn the other day when I was walking home from the store. And all of a sudden I heard all of this cheering and pots banging out of the windows. And I was like, oh my God, it's it's 7 p.m. That's when everybody cheers and claps outside of their windows for all the essential workers. And it was a really cool moment. I almost teared up a little bit. It was just really nice because I'm usually in my apartment all day and I don't get outside too much. I go for a walk every day. I try, but it's nice to be out there to hear the 7 p.m. clinging and clanging. You're listening to the Disaster Feminist Podcast with me, Abby Holland. This week I started watching Mrs. America on Hulu because I think it's important. It's the story of the Equal Rights Amendment through the eyes of the feminist movement with Betty Friedan, who wrote The Feminine Mystique, Gloria Steinem, a journalist, social activist, and co-founder of Ms. Magazine, and Shirley Chisholm, who became the first black woman elected to the United States Congress. And then through what I consider the anti-feminist movement with Phyllis Schlafly, a conservative who was against abortion and had an agenda to stop the passing of the Equal Rights Amendment, which would give women equal rights under the law. And you know what? Everyone has their right to their opinion. And I say that through my gritted teeth with this woman, because she was really successful in almost stopping this amendment. And, you know, I almost didn't watch it. I I almost didn't watch the show because I actually had a 40-minute conversation with my therapist about why I didn't want to watch it. And I think I was just triggered, or as my therapist and I like to say, activated. Anyway, I used to work for an abortion rights feminist nonprofit for three years called Abortion Access Force. We used comedy to fight for abortion rights. And I was on the front lines. I was fighting back against protesters in front of abortion clinics. I was going to rallies, marches, Washington, D.C. I protested on the steps of the Supreme Court many times. I traveled around the country with this organization with people who became some of my best friends. We bonded over the craziness, and I have to admit, after a while, I got really burned out. (sighs) There was so much we were fighting for, and people's lives were at stake. The anti-abortion, anti-choice bigots were louder, they were more organized, and they seemed to be winning, especially when Trump won. And I'm going to leave that one for another episode, but I'll just say this. I was run down, and I felt defeated. And I know I have it way better than those women in Mrs. America who were fighting just to have equal rights. So the idea of me watching it brought up so much for me. Exhaustion, dread, anger, and I felt guilty for feeling it. So after my therapy session, virtually, by the way, we're doing telemedicine these days, I decided to watch it. It's kind of like how many women didn't want to watch The Handmaid's Tale because it was like triggering for them. You know, they just they didn't want to watch it. I think The Handmaid's Tale for me was so far enough removed from reality, but then also sometimes not, that I could watch it and I loved it. So why can't I get myself to watch This amazingly made show, Mrs. America, with a dream cast that covers topics that I'm so passionate about. (sighs) 
I still don't know, but I will say that I watched the first couple episodes and I do like it. I'm working through my issues, but I'm glad I'm watching it, even if I'm forcing myself to. Also, Abortion Access Force does a recap of Mrs. America every Friday night at 9 p.m. on Facebook, Instagram, and all the socials. It's called Phyllis the Schlafter Show, and you should check it out. Today's guest is Lucy Spragan. I saw her perform on the Melissa Etheridge cruise, and she had such a stage presence. She was super fun, talented, and so lovely to talk to. You might know Lucy because her X Factor audition in 2012 of her original song, Last Night, that went viral, and she came in ninth place in the season. She since has been touring and selling out arenas. Her debut album, Join the Club, was released in 2013, reaching number seven in the UK charts. She released an album last year called Today Was a Good Day, and I cannot wait for her new music to come out. Sorry, one more time. Clap. Just for, because she, okay, there we go. Um, All right, cool. So, let's see. Can you uh, talk about a a little bit how... um, the X Factor was and how it changed your life. Yes. The X Factor was absolutely bizarre. Uh, I auditioned when I was 19 and it aired when I was 20. And it was like an overnight fame thing that happened. It's kind of a weird phenomenon. And I guess only like 12 people, because there's 12 contestants on the show every year, that experience that. So, yeah, I went from being a, a person in the, with a clipboard in the street selling baby photo shoots to walking into the city centre in Sheffield and having hundreds of people literally, like, mobbing me in the street. And it was very... It was difficult, actually. It was, like, mentally very difficult to, um, like, absorb that. And so I struggled for, like, quite a long time after that to, like, adjust to that kind of world. But... Now I'm in the states, starting out in the states, so it's it's awesome. Like, it's yeah. Totally do do you find uh, that it's you know you don't get mobbed here? Oh uh, yeah, not at all. <laughs> but you still you're still getting mobbed in the UK. Well, I would get mobbed, but I, the shows that we do, we just finished. You know, Shepherd's Bush Empire, Manchester Academy. So like Manchester Academy show, there's nearly three thousand people in the room. Like every night, two or three thousand people. That that's the size shows that we do and. I was the first female headliner at a festival called Kendall Calling, and that's a, a big deal. Like, I played Glastonbury. So, like, yeah, that, that at home, I just feel really, like, I just want to... I just want to spread out and, like, start somewhere fresh. And I want to start somewhere without... The X Factor carries quite a lot of stigma. So, like, you know, people will say, oh... You, people think that you just had this big opportunity they don't know that I like started played my first festival when I was 12 years old or sat in bars and pubs for like the last however many years playing so it's nice to be in the states where nobody really knows me because you just do a show and then let the let the show do the the talking for you and it certainly did um at the at the show last night it was kind of a magical moment this this boat um you know, sometimes you have like thirty people in the room, and then this was like the most packed show that I've seen. That I've seen. So, and the energy was great, and you have like a comedic element to what you do, 
And um, I think that that combination is uh, is so awesome. Um, I just like telling stories, really. And uh, I think people like... I, don't, I like getting people involved because, I don't know, sometimes you watch shows and you just want to be more, like, more in it. So that's why I like people singing along and, you know, I quite like... It's it's different. It, in England, no one really ever sort of comes forward. Or It's hard to explain, but, like, a couple of people during the set last night that came up, like, for a fist bump and stuff, I was like, hi! <laughs> I loved it. It's really good. But the, the comedy thing, like, I've always told jokes. Um, I've always written songs about people, and there's a... Uh, we have this, this show called Jeremy Kyle at home. It's like the, it's like the Jerry Springer show. And um, I, I used to work in a pub and I was behind the bar and I used to sit there with my guitar because it was always dead. No one would ever come in. It would be like four old people in there all day. And this girl came in and she'd been on Jeremy Kyle and I knew, I knew her from being on the Jeremy Kyle show. So I started singing this song about her, like in a nice way. She was laughing. <laughs> and then... It, so... After I'd been on The X Factor, somehow that song resurfaced and Jeremy Kyle invited me on to his show to play that song. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But, like, the comedy side of stuff has... It, it's got me to different places. Um, whereas, you know... I mean, there, is, there are serious songs as well, but I just they're just observations. It's great. Um, and so you... Uh you uh, kind of met Melissa at the BBC randomly, and um, yeah, uh, just talk about how uh, you got on the Melissa Etheridge cruise. Yeah, well, I was uh, released, I think it was my third album in 2015, and I was in the BBC playing on a piano that said, please do not play on it, so I thought the person walking into the room was going to be someone from the BBC saying, stop playing that piano, you're not supposed to play it, can't you read? And instead I turned around and it was Melissa Etheridge. And I was just like, oh my God, what the hell? And went over and said, oh, do you mind if I get a selfie? And just had a quick chat with her, said I was a big fan. And then, like, five years later, I get this email. Would you like to support Melissa Etheridge across Europe and the UK? And I was like, why are you even asking me? You need to have responded yesterday to that email saying, yes, of course. And I was just like... the that opportunity is just absolutely ridiculous and so I went on that they, she asked us if we wanted to do the cruise and since then since meeting her basically she's been a, like a mentor to me and she just I keep thinking somebody of her like the velocity of her career and the like the true like power that she owns and who she is she doesn't even she doesn't need to be nice to anybody and it, it inspires me that somebody that like that and that successful takes the time to share what they have or try and share what they have and, you know, got, got a hand down there trying to help other people up. Like, that is, that, that is truly quite something. And I've never met anyone in the industry like that. Yeah, that's actually one thing that I noticed, too, even about the boat in and talking to um, just people that are attending the, the, the cruise. Um, you know, I'm learning things like Melissa's thing is um, like be kind and kindness and everyone kind of loves that about her. So Melissa and a bunch of the women that are performing uh, uh, came up in the 90s in America. It was maybe different in the UK or did you have similar people like that coming up in the UK? 
I would say, well, I listened to her music. I, I listened to it growing up because my dad is a fan, but really first properly discovered Melissa properly when I came to the States when I was 18 and fell in love with this girl. We went on a road trip. Cliché. Um, and that's all we listened to. Um, what she did in America and still, like, she, like, lit the beacon, really, I, I feel, like, for a lot of artists. The UK has always had, like, quite strong, not always... Since the 80s, quite strong gay, like, culture. Like, there's always been iconic guys, Boy George, you know, Elton John. And there's never really, from my perspective, there's never really been that, like, open lesbian. Especially young, there's never really been that. Not in the forefront, anyway. And I feel like, yeah, people like Melissa, they, they led that. They led that here, in the States, and that was more, that was way more difficult. Because it was so much more taboo, I feel. Like, England's been not... I mean, we're quite progressive. Well, not at the moment. We're actually <laughs> going the other way, but... So are we. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I listen to it. And I think it's it's so important as, like, a young gay person to, to be able to listen to somebody who's talking about the same things as you. Like, her songs are full of that, that angst and, like, that insanely... I don't want to say lesbians love stronger, but... Like, two women is so intense, especially when you're, like, kind of young with all these hormones. It's so intense. And to listen to the songs, you can hear that they're about women who love women because it's, like, it's so intense. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I, I totally get that. Um, yeah, she's obviously been really good for the LGBTQ community, um, which in tandem has been awesome for the feminist move- movement as a whole. Um, it's so, it's so crazy. I've never spoken to someone from the UK about their, about their feminism or their perspective. Like in your perspective, how was it? Cause you had Melissa, then you had Paula, you had Jill Sobule, you had all these just kind of like coming out all like coming out and they're not all, they're not all gay, but, yeah. um, these powerful women just owning their music. Um, was that inspiring for you? Yeah, it always is. And it still is like. I I got I won a, an award uh, from Diva magazine, which is the lesbian magazine in the UK. I won mu- Musician of the Year in uh, 2018, and I was I I I really didn't think I was going to win, so I like didn't think about what to say at all. And when I got on stage, I just looked around the room and saw like iconic sports women, musicians, broadcasters, all people who were out, and also people that are allies. And I just said, this hasn't been difficult for me. And like this, I, this award, like this whole event, this whole lesbian magazine thing, that that couldn't have been done without the women before people my age. They've made it so easy for people like me. And that sounds like a sweeping thing to say that that people don't still have you know homophobia in their lives, but we get we get it significantly less than they did, and that that's amazing. That the effect that people like Melissa, people who did all those things in the 80s and 90s have had. It's iconic. It's unbelievable. Um, so this is a no-brainer, but do you consider yourself a feminist? Yes, I do. <laughs> it's funny, but the amount of my friends that I say, and we're like, we'll be sitting around and I'm like, because we're all feminists, aren't we? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, what? And they're like, well, I don't know, like... I'm 
I kind of believe that, you know, guys should hold the door open for me. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with being a feminist. Well, it does, actually. I'm like, do you believe men should hold the door open for you or do you believe that everybody should just open the door for each other? Because I kind of feel like I'm just going to hold the door, like, in a metaphorical sense and also in a, in a realistic sense. It's interesting because I don't know if it's across the board, like, feminism took a big... It was basically being... Well, it's still being attacked often. And I don't know if you have TERFs. What's that? T-E-R-F. I don't even... It's an abbreviation, and they piss me off so much, I can't even remember. Are they just, like... exclusionary something feminists. And they're feminists Mm. against trans people, and I'm just like, I hate you so much. It doesn't make any sense. No, you can't... And this is the other thing, people that call themselves feminists when they're actually not at all. They're just kind of taking the word. Yeah, and that's why there's so many of these weird false negative connotations to the word feminist and it really really pisses me off <laughs> there's they have these t-shirts that don't even want to get me started on turf so oh my god have these t-shirts that say woman and then it has the um like the oxford dictionary definition of a woman and it like to to, to anyone who doesn't know what that t-shirt means it's like completely inoffensive but it's it's an anti-trans t-shirt that they all wear and recently in the pub near me, they, they chucked a woman out for wearing that T-shirt. And then the turfs all, like, prote- like protested, said they were going to boycott this pub. And so... Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. Yeah, all those turfs. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, we have... In the States, there's been a huge attack on uh, reproductive rights and abortion rights. And there's a lot of, quote-unquote, feminists who are anti-abortion. And you're like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Like let's all just have e- like let's just have all the same rights and care about each other, and then oh my and god and I'll open the door for each other okay <laughs> yeah hold the door open man it's weird isn't it but like my friends have little girls tiny little girls that are growing up very quickly and um, what did our friend our friend's daughter said to her mum her mum said who are you gonna marry when you grow up and she said I want to marry you mummy. And she said, you can't marry me because I'm your mummy and and I'm a girl. And Cheery said, mummy, I can marry a girl if I want to. And she's like three and a half. No, she's four. She's four. And I just think actually like that's the that's the future of women. I love that. Little children telling their 30 year old parents that actually, no, you can marry other women. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. It's it's nice to see that kids are, are doing that. And it's scary because the UK is going through Brexit and you, there, there's been anti-immigration, anti-trans stuff. America has Orange 45, I call him. And it just, it seems like we're kind of going backwards, but do you think there is hope? I always like to think that there's hope. In the UK, they've been teaching, uh, not, they've been teaching LGBT, I don't even know what you'd call it. I don't want to be like LGBT school lifestyle (laughs) they've been just talking about lgbt people in sex education since 2000 i think or 2001 however it just went to parliament in 2019 because people are upset with their children hearing about lgbtq rights so luckily i think you'd i think 
There were only 21 MPs that voted to remove it. And, uh, like, 500 or something who voted to. So we were like, Go, what the hell? But it's everywhere. And it's weird. There's this toxic hate thing that's happening in the world at the moment. And the more people hate, the wider it gets. The hate just swells. And mm-hmm. so people need to just... Yeah, hold the door open for each other. Just, I, I actually think that we should just... Everyone in the world should just take ecstasy at the same time. Oh, yeah. And then just be in a room with each other, <laughs> feel that empathy, <laughs> and then I feel like maybe war would be over. I think so, too. Just infuse everybody's tea with mushrooms. Magic <laughs> mushrooms. The world would be so beautiful. <laughs> no, it's got, it's got... A, I've got a hope for it, because... Me and my, my wife are foster carers. We, we've been foster carers for, like, a year uh, when we're at home. And the ch- we've had kids from 18 months up to 16 years. None of them have given a shit about the fact it's two women. None. Like, we had one nine-year-old boy that said to my wife, are you, are you and Lucy sisters? And she was like, no. He said, are you best friends? She was like, yeah, we're married. And he was like, hmm. is Lucy a boy? And I was just like, yeah, kind of, man. Like, <laughs> whatever, like, they're so innocent. And we need to, we need to, like, help kids keep, keep hold of that. I feel like the LGBTQ community, you like, I just feel like we, it's so good and inclusive. And, like, we care about each other so much on a level. So I want to come and, like, meet all gay people in America. Oh, my God. You're going to have so much fun. Thank you so much for listening. And special thanks to Melissa and the Mannequins for the theme song. Follow me on Instagram at Disaster Feminist and tell me what you think.